welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Well, if you are joining us for the first time, we are in the third week of a series called Coming Soon. And in this series, we are making the time to look at what is coming after this life. And it's been a good little journey. Get, get all your discomfort out right now. Shake, move, stretch, whatever you need to do. Uh, it's been a, been a good journey. The first week we spoke about Judgment Day and what that's going to look like and how every person is going to face Jesus as judge and give an account for their lives and what will take place after that. Um, last week, Pastor Alex spoke about the new heaven and the new earth or the concept of heaven, the new era that is coming and what, what life will be like in that stage and, and those that have professed their faith in Jesus, that have put their heart, their, that, that have given their hearts to Jesus and what their eternity will look like. And today I have the honor of ministering on the other place for those who are far from Jesus and what that will look like. It's a place that we call hell. And uh, you may say that I drew the straw, short straw on this one, but I actually put my hand up to, to speak about this because I think it's, it's a necessary conversation that we have to have. Have you ever you know, been somewhere and you got to a point and realized that there was something wrong with your hair? There was something wrong with your clothes. There was something, you know, that, that was a little bit messed up. Maybe your fly was down and you realized and then you thought, oh, why didn't someone tell me? I was once preaching with a white shirt on and, um, you know, got off the stage and, and I was talking to my wife and she goes, did you realize that your shirt was see-through with the lights? And I was like, no, I didn't realize. Otherwise, I would probably wouldn't have worn that shirt on the stage. And I said, oh, does that mean that everyone saw my six-pack? What are you laughing for? And she said, firstly, you don't have a six-pack. <laughs> but if you did, yes, they would have seen your six-pack. Um, and I thought, oh, man, I wish someone had told me before I got on the stage. There was another time I was, I was actually volunteering as a coach for Auskick football. I've always been like a mad footy, footy fan, better fan than I am a player. But uh, I, I got roped into to coaching Auskick when I was about 21 years of age. And uh, this is before I came to Jesus. And so I used to um, enjoy a night out. And uh, this one time, I... I was out quite late and uh, struggled to get up in the morning, but had to be up nice and early to go and set up for Auskick and to coach two teams worth of Auskick kids. And so I was in a rush, got dressed, had the old English shower with the ch-ch-ch-ch. Didn't have time to brush my teeth, so I grabbed some chewies and just started chewing. And um, by the, yeah, I was there for probably four hours at this footy thing and I was the whole time, you know, go and go, go, go and I'm tired and I get into my car at the end of it and I have a look in the mirror and what has happened, I've never ever experienced before but the chewy has actually dissolved and has like leaked all over my face. So I've got this white residue covering my whole lips and all of my face. Like the, the chewy has somehow dissolved and is covering my face and I'm thinking when I see this, 
One, what happened there? But two, why didn't someone say something about all of this stuff that's on my face? I was talking to parents of young football players. I'm helping with a barbecue. I'm interacting with so many different people, and I've got all this stuff on my face, and no one said anything. And maybe they thought I intentionally smeared bubble gum on my face as as a, a decoration, perhaps. But I thought, why didn't someone tell me about it? When it comes to the conversation of eternity, we need to have a voice in what is being spoken about. Because I don't want to get to a stage where there's people in my world or even for, for us ourselves to think, why didn't someone tell me what this was like? Why didn't someone tell me about what this was going to be like? So this morning, I, I, we're entering into a conversation that may make us feel a little bit uncomfortable, but it's okay. And it's necessary for us to have conversations that, that can make us at times discomfort, have discomfort. I'm not here to keep you comfortable. The church doesn't exist to keep you comfortable. In, in fact, most of our mission will bring you to a space where you have to be uncomfortable to step out in faith. But this morning, that, that is our conversation. We're going to read from a passage of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 25. And um, I'll say before I get started that this is not the, uh, uh, that just because we're using this as the main text does not mean that every point uh, is fleshed out of this one text. This is just gives, I think it gives a good framework and a structure for some topics and themes that that we see about the, the realm of hell that draw from other places as well. And I'd encourage you to, to actually read through this, Matthew 24 and 25, which is probably Jesus' uh, longest discourse, his longest teaching on what the times will look like when he returns and what is to come. So in your personal time, I encourage you to, to read that. I understand that it's a parable, and so I'm not trying to build doctrine or theology from this, but it gives good framework to what else is seen in Scripture. We should never just take one passage in isolation and make that a, uh, what we believe as a doctrine or as a, um, uh, a truth. But truth is never isolated. Truth connects throughout the Scriptures. We see that. Old Testament informs New Testament. New Testament revealed Old Testament principles. So just to put that with you, but here we go. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory... And all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one sorry, he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come. You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did, you, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick in prison or visit you? And the king will answer to them, 
Truly I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, we see a separation that's taken place. There are some on the right that are spoken to first. And then he says, then he will say to those on the, on the left, depart from me. You cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say this to you. As you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Verse 46 says, And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I want to just pull a a couple of key thoughts out of this text to um, help us in this conversation. The first one being this. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king. The story starts off, it says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, when he returns, he will return in glory. When Jesus came to the earth the first time, we read in in Philippians that he emptied himself of his glory and he came in humility. He, he, He came born of a virgin. He came in vulnerability. When he returns, he will return in glory. He will return in power. He will return as the righteous and reigning king. Jesus is king. It says down there that um, he will separate them, and then the king will say to those on his right, come to me, and the ones on his left, depart from me. This is essential for us to, to take hold of when we, when we think about something like hell. We have to start off with the character and the person of Christ. Who is he and how does he flesh out what we're talking about today? He is the king. Jesus is completely righteous. He is completely holy. And he is completely the king. So the story starts off with him being shown as king. How many of us understand that the king is sovereign? And that means whatever the king says goes. And there may be times when we, we struggle or we wrestle with what the king says or what we, th- we, we hear the king say. But in those days and in those times, we have to understand that he is sovereign, that he is righteous, that he is holy, and that he knows more than us. He understands more than us. And so even the conversation about sending people to an eternal condemnation or an eternal punishment has to start not from our perspective of how how could you do that, but from the understanding that God is king, that he is righteous and that he is holy. One of the biggest tension points in this conversation is how can a God who is love punish people? for sin? How can a God who is love send people away to an eternity that is lost? How can a God who is love send people to an eternal punishment? Great question. Question that I wrestle with, question that I I hold on to. How can 
a loving God send people to hell? The flip of that question has to also be considered. How can a holy God allow sinful humanity into heaven? How can a holy God allow sinful humanity to come into a kingdom that is eternal, to to come into this everlasting life? The answer to both of those questions is Jesus. We see in Jesus the expression of the love of God and the holiness of God. In its complete and full form, Jesus expresses the love of God and the holiness of God. And both of those questions are answered in him. How can a loving God allow people to go to an eternity of punishment? Because the loving God sent his son to give them an opportunity to turn from that, to give them an opportunity to to avoid that. This is what love is. Jesus came to us and died for us so that we wouldn't have to experience eternal punishment, eternal separation. How can a loving God allow this? Well, before he allowed it, he sent his son. And Jesus shows the love of God. And how can a holy God allow sinful humanity to experience everlasting life, the kingdom of God? The same thing through Jesus. It's only through Jesus that we can enter into the kingdom of God. It's only through Jesus that we can enter into what we call heaven. So the answer is him. You know, those kids in, the, in, the, in kids' church, best thing to tell them, just answer Jesus because it's usually right. Whatever the question is, just answer Jesus. You usually get a chocolate. In, the, in this conversation, it's less about heaven. It's less about hell. It's more about Jesus and what we do with Jesus. And so we have to, we have to understand that he is holy and sin has separated from us from him. Sin is offensive to him. Sin, sin is, <laughs> in order to understand the, 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 the concept of hell, we've we got to grapple and grasp the, the concept of sin and how offensive sin is, how much of, a, of an offense and a violation it is to God. If we don't understand the seriousness of our sin, we could never understand the punishment for it. And at the same time, if we don't understand the seriousness of our sin, we won't understand the grace that has been released to us in Jesus. I am a sinner who has been saved by grace, not by my works, not by what I've done, but by the grace of God. And we see the love of God and the holiness of God expressed in the person of Jesus. He is king. Can we get that passage from John 3.16 up, please, Lockie? We love John 3.16. John 3.16 says this, You should know it. Do you know it? Yeah. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't stop there. Should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, good, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Here is the, here is the reality. Apart from Jesus, we are all destined for hell. Apart from Jesus, our eternal 
our eternity will be separation from God. And God knew this. God knows this, which is why he sent Jesus to come and save us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Not to condemn, but to save us because we already stand condemned. And when we grapple with the the concept of sin, we understand that I actually don't deserve the grace that I've been given. That's why we call it grace. It's unmerited, it's unearned, it's undeserved. I deserve death. I deserve the, 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 the death for my sin. That's what the scriptures say. The penalty, the wages of sin are death. But Jesus came and paid that price on my behalf. That is the love of God. That is the love of God expressed, that Jesus would come and give his life. But we have to start with understanding that he is the king. And, and there's times when I'm not going to understand fully why, he's do it, why he does what he does. Or there might be times when I or you think I would do that differently. There's probably a few things that I'd do differently. But if God only does what we agree with and only does what we like and we think is good, then we are our own God. He is sovereign. He knows more than we do. He's holy. And therefore, sin must be dealt with. It's got to be. The next thing there is this thought of eternal separation. We read in this parable that there is a separation that takes place. On the right, the sheep. On the left, those that he said he terms goats. They're all together, and then there's a separation that takes place. As I said before, sin, when it entered into humanity, it separated us from God. It it caused a separation from God. Right now, if you do not know Jesus, you're living in separation from Him. Jesus came to reconcile the world, to bring back into friendship, to bring back into relationship, to be the mediator, to to bridge the gap between humanity which sinned and turned a back on God and and a God who loves that, that one that walked away. And it's in Jesus that that is brought back. The separation moves from that. And we know that as we follow Jesus, one of the goals of following him, one of our hearts, the fruits, is intimacy with him. It's the opposite of separation. It's that we would know Him more and more and more and more, that our lives would be so entwined with Him, that we would abide in Him, that we would be with Him. That is His desire for all of humanity. And so right now there are people who are living in separation, but at that point in time when when judgment day comes, there will be a separation that will be eternal. For today, there is opportunity for that bridge to be gap, that gap to, be, to, to have a bridge through Jesus. But there will come a time when that separation, there will no longer be an opportunity for that to be fixed, to be reconciled. And at that point, there will be separation and people will be separated from the presence of God for eternity. For eternity. That's a long time. Eternal separation. Lockie, have you got that, that scripture from Luke? Luke's just not, not just a guy that threw in a scripture. It's one of the Gospels. Luke, is it 16? 
Jesus tells another parable, and he speaks of uh, a rich man who is um, sent to, to a place called hell, and uh, a man named Lazarus, who the, the man has this vision, and he sees him, and he realizes how bad it is where he is, and he says, let me just go up and warn warn my brothers, let, let me just go up and get some water, like this is crazy, This is there's fire, and I'm burning up here, and this is what it says, it says that Abraham says to him, and besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, not fixed, but as in separated, that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there. There will be a separation that is eternal. It's not, okay, I'm going to change my mind now. All right, I've seen how bad this is now. I'm, 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 I'm coming that way. No. Eternal. The word, there is a concept uh, which I guess has been in the last maybe maybe bit of time has become popular in the church as well, which is the idea of annihilationism, which means that at one point in time, everything will be annihilated. Hell will just stop existing. People, there will, there will be a, a, a punishment that goes on for a certain amount of time and then it will just stop annihilating. In this passage that we read before, can we put those the, the, the juxtaposition of the eternal, the one before that? There's two. I've put it on slides, so it helps me to remember. This one here, verse 34 says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come. Listen to the language. Come. It's an invitation. You who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared, was already prepared for you from the creation of the world. The opposite is said to those in verse 41. It says, then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, not an invitation, a rejection. You cursed once into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. It was prepared, and, and this gives us insight in what it was prepared for, was the devil and his demons that was there, that was where they're going to be cast down. And let me say, Jesus is king. The devil doesn't run hell. The devil's not running around with a, a pitchfork, stabbing people in hell. Get that concept out of your mind. The devil will be punished probably more severely than anyone else. He will receive punishment for all that he has done. He is not in hell calling the shots. He's not the boss. Jesus is still sovereign. Whilst his presence may not be there, he's still sovereign over hell. And he gives this, this, this separation. And then it says, And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go on into eternal life. The next slide, Lockie. Those two words there, both instances, is that Greek word, Aeonis, which means without end, never to cease, and everlasting. We, we, we are okay with the idea of an, of an everlasting kingdom, an everlasting heaven, but the words that are used in, in contrast are the same word. It's the same word that's used that it will be an eternal separation. The next thing there, Another, another passage, actually. Can we read from Isaiah 66 there, Lockie? No, Isaiah. It's all right. They're both in the same part of the book. 
Got it? I didn't give you a slide. Oh, well, well, let's not read from that one there. There's your homework, Isaiah 66. It talks about, about how the worm will not die and the fire shall not cease. And those that walk along will see the bodies of the dead and they will be horrified. Again, it, it gives us the Jewish concept and the understanding that, that hell was an eternal place. That's what they drew off. And, and Jesus actually quotes that later when he's speaking as well, that same thing. But it leads into the next point, which is hell is horrific. Like this, this probably doesn't need to be said, but needs to be said. Hell is horrific. It, it, Pastor Alex spoke last week and he, he made a point which really re- resonated with me. He said, that like, if you imagine heaven and you imagine all of the best things that you could ever imagine, it's going to be even better than that. It's going to be even greater than what you could imagine right now. We can't comprehend. And we have to understand this, that uh, we're wrestling with eternal concepts and matters here. Uh, Think about the life that we live right now in the flesh on, on earth. We don't even understand this life, let alone the life to come. But we have these pictures that the Scriptures give us, which which paints this picture of this glorious kingdom that is coming. And it's going to be better than that. And the flip side is the same. Whatever the picture you have of hell, times that by a trillion, and it's going to be worse than that. It's going to be worse than you could ever imagine. It's horrific. No one in their right mind wants to go there. No one would, would, would choose it if they understood what it was like. Not, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go to hell and I'm going to have a party and play Metallica all day. It's not going to be everlasting Metallica. Might be Creed on play on loop. No, didn't get that. But that's not what it's going to be. It's going to be horrific. It is going to be worse than you could imagine right now. Take the picture that you have of hell and then think about it. It's going to be even worse. What, can you put that slide up with some of the words that we read about? We read of fire. We read of torment, of punishment, of condemnation, of weeping, gnashing of teeth. Most of the descriptions include fire when it talks of hell. This burning, these flames. Are they literal flames? Well, I, I think there's possibly the, the extent of our language in this, in, in this world is to give this picture I reckon it's going to be worse than what we understand flames to be, worse than what we see fire to be. Torment that is, that is, that is a breaking of who you are, that is a, 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 an unrestlessness, a restlessness that, that just doesn't stop, a torment. Interesting to see that there's a time when Jesus confronts a demon and the demon shrieks, it says, as he saw him coming and says, what do you want with me? Are you here to torment me before the appointed time? Even the demons understand that there is a time coming when they will experience torment. And I hate the fact that they take what they're going to experience and inflict it on people right now. It's one of their tactics is to torment people on, on this earth. And that is their fate. That is what they are, they are destined to. It angers me. There is torment. There is condemnation. There's weeping. It's a picture that is horrific. You don't want to be there. You don't want anyone that you love to be there. We don't even want to believe that this could be a possible place. 
But it is. And it's going to be bad. And I can't talk about how bad it will be. But if you're, if you're courageous enough, you know what, some, uh, today some people are going to have to consider this and make a decision in their hearts whether they're going to accept Jesus for salvation. But some of us who, who, who walk with Jesus, we know Jesus, I, I want to put this to you. If you are, are brave enough and, and courageous enough to ask God to give you revelation of what hell will be like, I do this with sin. When there's a sin that, that, you know, when a temptation comes or something, I say, God, show me your heart for this sin. How does it grieve you? How does it, ha- how does it hurt you? How does your heart change my heart? If you would, ask God to just give you a glimpse, give you a, 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 a burden, give you a, an understanding of what it might lo- be like and let that motivate you, not to condemn you, not to, to make you feel guilty, but to motivate you that there is a possibility that you could be part of helping someone to avoid that. You could be part of snatching someone from the fire. And may that heart, you know, that, that'll be uncomfortable. It might mess you up a little bit. But isn't it worth it if someone responds to Jesus? Isn't it worth it if I feel uncomfortable, if someone else has the opportunity at least to hear the gospel? Isn't it worth it if I give everything so that someone else has the opportunity to hear the gospel? Isn't it worth it if one person, as Tom said, that one little child avoids this? Isn't it all worth it, all the airfares, all the the potential threats? Isn't it all worth it? I think God thinks it's worth it. And I don't want to heap you with guilt, please. I don't want to heap you with shame. If I put this out there, if you ever hear from my mouth coming a, a guilt trip or shame trip, please come and speak to me. Shame and guilt are great motivators. Not great as in they're good, but they get people to do stuff. They're not healthy, but, and I don't believe it's the way of the kingdom. Churches can employ shame and guilt to get people to do things. I never want to be like that. So if you ever hear that coming from my mouth, I'm, I'm approachable, come and speak to me. But I do want us to get a burden and to understand that this is an eternal matter that is weighty and has ramifications that are horrific. Maybe for you today, you're you're on the fence. There is no fence on that day. It's going to be separated. You can't sit on the fence. You're on one side or the other. But here is the hope that we have. Salvation is still possible today. Salvation is still possible today. Jesus is still ministering today. Why hasn't he returned yet? He's not slow in keeping his promises, Peter says. Instead, he's giving time for people to come back to him. He's allowing space for people to come back to him because he desires in his heart for none to perish Whilst God must act from holiness, I think it grieves his heart to know that people will be eternally separated from him. That there will be people on that day that, that, he won't, that won't have an opportunity again to be in his presence. That, that passage from Ezekiel, please, Lockie. Man, I'm sweating. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, 
I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked people. I only want them to turn from their wickedness, to turn from their wicked ways so they can live. Turn, turn from your wickedness, O people of Israel. Why should you die? This is the heart of God, that, that He desires that none would perish, but that all would come to Him. He gives the opportunity to all. The death of Jesus was sufficient for the whole of the world, not just for those who respond to Him. It, it's sufficient for those who won't respond to Him. His love, let me say this, His love is not what saves you. He loves you, but He loves everyone and not everyone will be saved. And we have in this time right now a dispensation of grace that, that says salvation is possible for you in this room and for those outside of this room, salvation is possible. And while the sun rises and the sun sets and we have breath in our lungs, salvation is possible. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter what you've done. Salvation is possible. It doesn't matter what your background was. It doesn't matter what your religious system was. Salvation is possible. Salvation being the salvation, the saving of your soul to Jesus. It is possible for you. But at the end of the day, the choice isn't, do I want to go to heaven or do I want to go to hell? Because everyone's going to choose heaven. At the end of the day, it is, will you respond to Jesus? You don't get to put your hand up and say, look, I'm rejecting Jesus, but I want heaven. It's not a choice. It's not on the table. The choice is this. Will you respond to the grace of God found in Jesus Christ? Not Buddha, not Allah, no other little G God. Jesus is the only way. He is the only way. And maybe you're here today and you haven't made that decision to respond to Him. You know the grace of God, man, I am sweating. <sighs> the grace of God is this. C.S. Lewis, if you can put that, that last quote up, please, Lockie. C.S. Lewis said this, there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, your will be done, and those to whom God says, in the end, your will be done. Here is His grace. He honors our choice. He honors our choice. If you choose to not receive that gift of eternal life, then He'll honor that. But may this as well for us that are Christians, for us that follow Jesus. The, you don't need a, a sermon series to tell you that this world is messed up and it's continuing to get worse. There's signs that Jesus is coming back soon. Don't be sleeping. And I'm talking about your own life, but I'm also talking about the lives of others. May this in some way motivate us to be, good, to be bearers and, and carriers of the good news. 
And that may look different to different people. That may mean you going out and sharing your testimony. It may mean you going and, and cooking a sausage sizzle. It means us being motivated to be working in the harvest field, to be out in the community, to be in lives of people who are far from Jesus so that we can give an opportunity at least. You can't save someone. Your, your, your testimony is as good as you speak it and as eloquent as you be with it, as powerful, even with keys in the background. You can't save someone. It's the Spirit of God that draws a man to, to Christ. But you can be part of the, the, the chain. You can be part of the link. You can be someone that sows and is faithful to that. Wake up. Wake up. The time is near. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.